te whai a te kaiwhakaoro mō tātou. Nāna arihi tātou e roji e tēnei a uri uri i rāna ngā kapapauri. Ki e ki tōna tāma te kaiwhakaoro ki nungi a tātou ngā kao kao pao. Tēa, awe Maria, kia nga koe te kia tēa. Kia koe tāriki, ko koe whakapaingia nei ngā wahine, whakapaingia hoki e heu te hua koko. Nā te Maria, te matua wahine tātua, i noi ngā mā tumahara, aia nei, ai te hao, tō nā te matanga rawa. Amen. Matua tama, koe iru te ahuri, no kia koe te mana hiri koe taimai, me tō whāna, me te mahi ke rungi hākoe te wāne ngā painga tumarawa. Matua tama, koe iru te rāmene. Father David Gledhill is a priest belonging to the Society of Mary. For nearly 50 years, this Pākehā cleric has been working in and around the Māori world, first in education and later in the wider Māori community. I think the word... The old word was the old Maori missions, yeah, but that's long gone because we're all contributing to the one mission of the church, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And slowly we start to see that the Heavenly Father's got no favourites and he's been with the people from the beginning and in their way they are proclaiming the good news. And so when the Christ came on the earth, he took all humanity to himself, all humanity, to renew it. And so therefore we have to answer the question... Pātaitia tēnei, hei ātou tātou whakawhanaungatanga e roa tititikanga Māori, tātātou ki te karai, this has to be answered all the time. And so what is being said there is that the Christ taking on all humanity, then all humanity, as the Father asked us to do, is to come to the Christ under him and Christ gives it back to the Father. So I look around and I see the Māori coming as a family to the Christ their way and I think, Hell, and I'm Irish, and I think, hell, there's some good things there. I'd like to be part of that. But you see, we, we forgot about the way the Father structured things. And so we imposed uh, an enculturated type of church on other people, whereas, in fact, the Father already had a plan for them, and here it was before our very eyes, and started looking at it again. And here it is, and it starts to appear. But you see, he's got no favourites, the old Heavenly Father. So the gift of the faith, way back, the people were waiting for this, Māori, waiting they knew about all this, waiting. And then when the scriptures came, the Kraipituri, Imaninta, Waiata, and when these things came, they said, Kaita Whakai, we agree. And they took it on as Māori. And and the problem always with the church is, is um, control and power and, and all that. Well, the Māori do it different. The Irish do it different. God, help us, we've put enough trouble on the face of the earth. But to be there and see the way, the plan of the Father and what he's doing. Now, that's where we're so lucky in this country, so that's the realisation that comes upon you after a while, you know, and, and once you see that and just take part in the ordinary social structures of the Māori, and I suppose I suppose the Irish and Scotch, which I am, are better equipped than others to, be social, to socially interact <laughs> with the Māori, you know, you, you have great uh, respect for and hope for the future. <laughs> Father David's from Marlborough. He trained for the Catholic priesthood at Mount St Mary's Seminary in Hawke's Bay. Marists are a French order of priests and brothers who arrived in the Hokianga with Bishop Pompelier in 1838. The order ran schools and parishes around New Zealand and has a long history of mission among Māori. Father David was a student at St Bede's College in Christchurch when he decided priesthood was his calling. <laughs> at the end of my last year at St Bede's and we, 
were invited to be interviewed publicly, you see, what you're going to do next year. Well, I thought, shit, I mean, uh, I better be honest. So I said, well, I'm thinking about heading up to seminary, you see. So publicly, you said, so I thought, that, you know, that was the moment where you said, well, I'm going to do this, you see. So I thought, oh, well, we'll give the seminary a go and I'll, I'll see that, uh, that I'm not really used to them to kick me out and get on with life, but they never did, you see. So we're still at it 50 years ago, 50 years on. So, hmm. So that's a uh, that's a, a personal spiritual journey. Um, yes. did, did you have a um, an understanding of the kind of work? I mean, that the Marists in New Zealand were in those days fairly heavily involved in education. Was that yes. was that what you were going to do? No, I was going to go overseas as missionary, like most of us fellows wanted to. And uh, so, but the, you know, we have spiritual directors and that sort of thing. And they had a very fine fellow called Ken Scully, who was a professor at the seminary, and he said, "Well." Why don't you think about staying home for a while instead of getting overseas? And I said, oh, well, Kim, what do you reckon? Yeah, I said, okay. So when I was ordained, I got a letter from the then provincial Murray Burke, and I had, the letter said, Dear David, you're appointed to Hatapara College. You may do university if you wish. Kind regards, Burke. And that's how you get launched. No discussion, nothing. And when you sign on to the Society of Mary and the Old Age Orders, you just get told. There we go. So you'd studied for eight years? Seven. Seven years, yeah. and then then just simply got a letter in the post saying this is where you're going. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no sort of um, vocational guidance. No, nothing. <laughs> Paura is a Catholic Māori boys boarding school near Fielding. It was founded in 1947. Father David arrived there as a newly ordained priest in 1966. It was the beginning of a very long association with Te Ao Māori. The school had always been thought of as the extension of what was called in the old days a Catholic Māori mission. So the old Catholic Māori missioners could see that the logical conclusion to work among the families and it's really difficult for the rural families in those days or any of the family Maori was to have a place where young men could come and be trained to be Christian gentlemen for the sake of the people the development of the people and within that hopefully vocations to the Catholic priesthood or brothers you see and so the, the old tupuna gave guidelines on how a Catholic Maori college should be set up and in those terms Catholic Māori College, because there's heaps of discussions, you know, about either your Māori Catholic or Catholic Māori and that sort of thing, but the old people know that was a co-papa, and then your Māori's fathers were invited in to run it. Back, uh, back to your uh, appointment to that uh, college, uh, what did you know of uh, Te Ao Māori, the, the Māori world, had there been contact uh, growing up, um, and had there been any contact uh, during your training as a priest? Uh, no, who <laughs> no, I was, was monocultural, really. But uh, no, really had no idea of of the family Maori. You know, we, like I said, like most Kiwis, we were all New Zealanders. We were all the same, and you know, in your mindset until you got to Hatapara. <laughs> uh, Sounds like you started learning. Then. Oh hell, yeah. And see, the thing is now, and I, after fifty years on the job. Um, we take 
students from our colleges into these areas like Rātahuna and these places uh, from their leadership course run at Hapapara at the beginning of the year and these groups under Maris neighbours go into these places and you forget and so when they come in the first night coming in you know these students, young ladies, young men, 16, 17 year olds they come into these areas and they act in a, in a funny way and, you, and then all of a sudden you're starting to see it's utter cultural shock they've never ever in their living existence and relationships got had any idea of how these things work you see and so the, the local families are very good they're very understanding and they come in and the first night in the Tupuna Friday is always run by the Iharaira the church of Rukenana and Māori and my heart and all that sort of thing and everybody's gobstocked you know and then the normal introductions take place second night the students they do the prayers and that sort of thing and by that stage they're, they're starting to fit in you know and you can see it but my point is I'm making is that I didn't realise what a cultural shock it was for me starting there out of power. and I don't think you know you're never prepared for any of these things and you know because like the Society of Mary running 300 priests at that stage throughout the country, that was it, you know, a European style of managing matters concerning the church in this country, including the colleges. And while there's always respect for people, there was no real understanding of the cultural implications of being Maori, you see. And so we were, we were tossed in and all the best, chum, you know. And some made it and some didn't, of course, but like everything. You know. So how did you go about um, educating yourself? Who did you go to? I mean, was well, the, the language a focus? Uh, not for a start, it wasn't. And by the end of the first year, you know, having gone through all these, what I said before about these cultural shit, I thought, right, we're going to do something. So I started getting a degree, and then I started then going to stay with the families. And, uh, and that really really the learning was staying with the families. Even though I was at university and did a double degree, double degree English and history, Māori through to stage two so you could teach it, slowly uh, being associated, particularly in the early, early 70s when the old people were still alive. You were so blessed to be among them because the gentleness with which they dealt with you, they could see how much you could do, what you could, where, the questions you're asking and so. So I was very lucky because, as I always describe myself, there as a, a you know a nosy Pakiha, and you know you went into places where angels fear to tread, but we're part of, and all of a sudden you go, whoops, you know this, you, this, you, this. I have great respect, but I don't belong here, you know. And so, in my after being in Hatapara for eleven years, I remember one of some friends spoke to my sister and said, "Oh gosh, your brother's bicultural," and my sister simply said. Oh, you just change cultures. <laughs> that was the impression, but you see, and then at a certain stage, I, and I think my authorities thought I was becoming too Maori at a stage, so they put me into St Augustine, you see. And I couldn't believe it. We talked past each other. Moving on to a Pākehā school in Wanganui was another form of culture shock. But Hatupaura still holds an important place in Father David's heart. He says the reason the school continues and thrives has a lot to do with the strong foundations that were laid when the school was first founded. That tikanga, the old people, the, the first of all Catholic Māori, so the Catholicism was the, was the thing, and then tikanga Māori. Uh, even in my time, we, nobody in the late 60s, early 70s, nobody had any money. So the boys and the brothers and the priests did everything, the butchering, 
you know, oftentimes the milking and all that, and did the ran the laundries, ran the dinings and all that, and then you had the structures to keep the um, the dormitories in order. So that's the way the school was run, and it had to be because there's no other way to do it. Coming back to your own um, uh, your own experiences there in those early days as you were adjusting, um, what what was different between the Parkhouse schooling system that that you might have had at your college in Christchurch? And, and what was going on at Hodge Boulder? Yeah, well, the thing was, we all had to meet standards. It's a question of how you did it, that's all. You know, there was no... The, the standards were the same for everybody. You know, we know what it means to be Catholic, we know what it means to be a mathematician or whatever, in, or to take part in society, in any disciplines or any job you're going to get. These are the guidelines. Now, how do you do it? That's the question. And the Māori had their own way of doing it. You know, they were amazing. They'd get to the same result, but uh, in a different way. And always respecting the social structure, or the, the structures between people. You, you, you were telling me before, we, uh, before I started recording um, uh, about standing in the class and having a bit of trouble with crowd control until oh, somebody... My, fir- my first year, hell. You know, because you weren't, they were, the thought patterns were bypassing all the time. You know, and, and the boys get pissed off, and fair enough. Paul Parker trying to do his best, you know. Because the school was divided academically, school cert UE, and what they called agricultural. Those who weren't going to go through to the disciplines that were going to learn enough to go back to the farms. And so I had these senior fellows, ag, five ag it was called. Oh. Man. And then all of a sudden this fella, Jim Poy from my Peninsula, just all he did all day was just rock forward backwards in his chair. He's low slung. Anyway, um, he one day just quietly, he didn't shout or anything, he just said quietly, right here, Jacob's give him a fair go. And there was dead silence. All fellas sitting up looking at me, waiting to be taught. And I thought, how? I'm going to start teaching. I'm, that moment, hey. What made him do that, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I suppose he, well, pity really, I suppose, <laughs> you know. But, you get, but also I think there was a certain amount of goodwill on my part. You know, I was fully involved in teaching them. So I suppose, you know, they thought, well, oh, he might be able to teach us if we give him a chance. <laughs> at, at, what, at what stage did you stop being the ball parker and, and started actually feeling like you were part of it? Or was it, uh, was it a, a getting a grasp of the language? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that was a process, of course, obviously, of getting the language and then seeing that you had to do that. But, um, but the interesting thing is... Uh, it was more a realisation of who I was as a Catholic priest and who the family Māori is and a realisation of how to be uh, part of the social structures, understanding even more so as you got more and more familiar with the language that I am European and I'll never be Māori and, it's, and, and, that, and in certain times, certain conclusions and ways of doing things just go beyond you, you know, and, but realising this is a reality of relationships. You know, and don't get too worried about it. At the, the end, we all have the same focus. We're all getting to the same uh, end. Primarily, the learning of the language took place with these families. They they took you in and, yes. and taught you. Yes, I was learning it formally from uh, well, first of all, in in Wellington with Upi Mahuika and Kuru Jews. Now, when I say those names, they're of the old world, and they teach in a certain way. And you know, and so I was very lucky. 
Were you um, were you cut some slack because of who you were, uh, because you were in the service of of the the, the people that you were a priest? I think um, that we were asked to go to Hatopara and teach the boys, and 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 be there as a religious community, and then and the and the style of applying yourself, you know, certainly through the language and. And I think also the respect was there once they could see you were genuinely interested in the welfare of the boys, so the old people taught you all sorts of things for the sake of the boys. Uh, can I give you one example? What used to get me was you, you'd teach these young fellows, get them up to a certain level, and then they go home and they come back a bit like zombies, you see, and you wonder now what's going on here? And then you you'd consulted with the old people and you could see again then, no, they didn't actually tell you, but... You could see the whole, because of the history of the Māori, the whole thing was to keep the family together, and as they said were together, they would survive. If somebody got apart from the family, they would pull them back because they were frightened for them. Now, the same thing you see, sometimes the boys would go home, and they'd push to head education, and they'd be brought back, you know, into a sort of a family structure, and you could sense it, you see, and it, you'd have to start again. So I said to the old people, I said, um, hmm... You know, I'm not very happy some, really about some of these, with all due respects to certain things that could be coming back into the school. They said, well, what can I do? And they said, well, from the old world, you go out to the gate and with these karakias, turn to the four winds outside the gate at the beginning of the term and do this. And I thought, all right, that's, your top. that's what I did. You see, so, I mean, that's to tell you those sort of things... I mean, it's, I'm really, in a way, baking confidences, but that was the way in which the world was managed, you see. So, because but I'm Pākehā, I'm not Māori, but I at, least, I at least did that in terms of what was coming for the next term. So that was a ritual that needed to take place at the start of the term to help everyone settle down? Well, I asked, the old people said, try doing this. So they were respecting you not only as being interested in the boys, but as a Catholic priest, as a priest. And, they, and they, they had, the people had, in general, great respect for the Catholic priest, the tikanga they held in terms of the signs on the priest, you see. So, from that perspective, you sort of feel a bit justified, really. Hey? Did you feel like you were part of it, or did you feel like you'd been allowed entry because yes. of who you were? That's right. You know, like, you, you feel at ease, you know, being at it for so long different, in all the different tribal areas... I would often describe it as, you know, you were doing your best as a Pākehā and the old people took you in hand and as they were put, put a cloak on you. But the Pākehā stays the same, but with a cloak and that, with the guidance and the mindset of the old people, you were able to apply yourself to the assistance of those who needed help. So um, uh, were we um, talking when you started teaching uh, of a, of quite a large population of older people for whom... Yes, oh yes, they were all alive. Hell, they were all alive then, the late 60s, early 70s. And as I say, the country didn't give a damn about Māori in those days, really. It's only in mid-70s it started to look at, you know, the, the Māori might be important as an identity for all of us, you see, in this country. And, and um, there was a lot of activism in, in that period? No, it was starting then, yes, or the whole thing. Where did you need to stand as a priest uh, when that started happening? The land marches, the the bastion points, those kind of uh, issues? Yes, the, we were fully functional as a college, so the land march, they stayed with us. 
when they came through the 1st of the March because we'd already undertaken a tour of the East Coast with our hot powder and we were up in Waikotikoti at the Marae at the Akupai Magavi and Rejnika the old people and they all came through so they crowd, they crowd from the Waimana and the stayed with us to college as they went through to Wellington and and of course you know the the the, the, the queer I, I mean who she was and I mean she was that sort of Catholic world was very close I, Finna Cooper? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so there was no uneasiness about about supporting those no, kind? No, I mean, it was just a whole natural family, family. Yeah. Oh, hell no. It was just ordinary. It was just, you know, this has to be done. Like all the other difficult things have to be done to get the families going. You you, you mentioned your sister's reaction. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, were, were there a lot... Were you getting that reaction from Parker? Look, you know, uh, you were in... Uh, been allowed into that world. Uh, can you explain what's going on? Because I know a lot of Pākehā in, in that era were quite sort of nervous about the the, the so-called renaissance of of Tāo Māori. Yes, it, but that reflects on the Pākehā mind, doesn't it? It's always a question of power and control, and that applies to the church and everything else. It applies to the incidents and Maungapuhatu and all the rest. Tu oi the lot. It keeps going on and on, where the people. Uh, have, as in their own structural organisation, can do very well and have something to offer, you know. And and you and, and, and a lot of it is not made public, but it, and where the Maori were or are, and and where they work as Maori, extraordinary things happen in terms of the business and and other social issues. And it's social issues that are still at the core of Father David's work, as he comes close to celebrating 50 years of ministry with Maori these days based at Rotorua. For him, it begins with the language. From the beginning, Māori should have been compulsory in all our schools in the country if we were really keen on setting up Aotearoa, Metawaipono. If we were really keen in the Pākehā mind, even though we didn't understand it, that's what we should have done. But we didn't, and now it's coming late. But, but it is coming. I mean, what's the reaction when 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 a Pākehā starts speaking Māori fluently? Well, there, there's a there's different sorts of reactions, but the one that has always encouraged me is that the fact is that he is doing it with a reasonable professionalism, got the pronunciations as best as possible, and the structure's right, and it becomes a support and encouragement. To the families at large. Well, if that party can do it, well, maybe I can do it. Sort of stuff. But with the Māori, the process really comes from their tupuna and from the, the giftedness of the Heavenly Father to Māori. At the right time, things appear in the right manner. So, uh, the, the, a, a career path that started with a very short letter telling you where you were going. Two lines. <laughs> in, in 50 years on, you must, on occasions, look back on a, on a very rich... Ah, oh, yeah. You know, you, you know, absolutely special, you know, and privileged in terms of the reality of our country, you know, yeah. And and I'm I'm, I'm thinking that Father David gives you an insight, uh, being of the two worlds. Uh, yes. uh, you know, you've been quite forceful in terms of the language uh, being taught in the schools. Oh um, yes, it is. We've got to do it. The court, he said. The tafara at the court, he said, look, he said, you'll be seduced by all that's going on. But unless you hold this tikanga e roti to a e roti to whanau e kaitangaro, you know, you will 
it will go. If you come across Parker that are that are genuinely genuinely interested in trying to engage, yes. what's your advice to them? How how should they approach engage with with the Māori world? Na to mahara pupu yahau, a kaputa iningano kahuta wana That's how it works, and you try and encourage them along those lines. Uh, what happens is um, a sort of a desire comes. Then gently uh, things starts to grow, and then finally the fruit comes. But it's a process, and don't forget the process. You can't rush it. Yeah. Mm. The word tinodanga tiratanga is there, and it's very important and not to be abused. But it's the reality of the people have a responsibility before God to respond to what God gave them in the beginning. And they, they, there's no other way of doing it because when the Māori goes back to, uh, to Mātangirea, to the Marae and the heavens, the Heavenly Father says, Te nākoe. He doesn't say, how do you do? You know? And that has to be responded to. In terms of the European, to have confidence in people under God. You see, the problem with us is control and power, always. You see, and that's what's caused these difficulties in Taniatu and Maungapohatu and, and Taranaki and all that, you see. And, and of course, there's a little bit yet to be done in this country in terms of what almost could be called war crimes. In this land, you've got to face what happened, what we did, you know. When you are introducing yourself in a Maui context, do you say your iwi is Pākehā? No. And she would just apply herself to the kaupapa of the gathering. No, no I, I address them as in terms of they put the sign on me. He karere o tiatua. He karere o tiatua is one of the signs put on us fellows. This is who I am. You know, he pononga o tiariki. This is how the Maori addresses us and that's how we reply. Tuake tenei pononga tiariki. Karere o tiatua. He oini o That's how you do it. あ、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた、帰ってきた